in, in life. The thing is that we're all dying. We're all dying. I'm up here as a dying man. In fact, I was going to start this, this message by saying, I, I spoke to the doctor and he told me I'm dying. And then I thought, I'll have to warn my kids first because they'll be there thinking, flipping out, what's happened? Like, what's going on? Has something happened? But seriously, the doctor's Jesus. He's the great physician and I'm dying. I don't have much time left. That might be 30, 40, 50 years. I'm, I'm planning on living till about 100. About 99 is, is the goal where I'm aiming for. That's my, but I don't know. I might not make next year. You don't know. You might not make next year. And the problem we've got is, every single one of us, is that there are con men all around. There are con men everywhere. And they are tricking us and trying to deceive us into a cure that doesn't exist. A cure for the, for the symptom or for the, the, the issue, the problem that is death. It ain't going away. Coronavirus ain't the problem. We're all dying. It's just a matter of time and when, and there is no cure for it. Yet people are going round peddling the cure. The cure they're peddling is television, sport, kind of making money, all of those things. In fact, I was speaking, we, we've got some friends in London, pastors in London. They came up for the day on Thursday, and they live where the footballers live in London. In the, in the West End, and they were saying, they see Jason Mount and different footballers around, and you turn the corner, and the houses are huge. They are massive. And we were talking, and, and there's the thing, right? Any of those people that don't know God, it is a soulless life and a soulless existence. All the money in the world, all the houses in the world, all the fancy cars in the world, anything, all, all the going and, and getting all the beauty treatments and the facelifts, all of those things, anything you can do, hair transplants, whatever it is, right? All it is doing is putting a plaster on it. I'm making you feel better on the outside when on the inside we're dying and we are decaying and there is no cure for that. You cannot stop that. No one's found a way to live forever on this earth. That ain't happening. I hope you've realized that. It's not going to happen. You can't do it. They're desperately trying to trick you into wasting your life. But... Do you believe that we can still get the victory? That we can frustrate the con men? That we can frustrate death? That we can beat the, 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 the ultimate virus, the human virus that is going to take us to this grave, this earthly grave, but that we can actually beat that? We can frustrate that and we can beat that do you believe that? Is there anyone in here that actually believes that? Because I'm not sure. Based on conversations and things that are here, I'm not sure that we're actually living like we genuinely actually believe that. Deep down, 100% that we genuinely believe that we can never, ever fail. 
Do you believe that, that you can't fail? Anyone in here believe that they can't fail? Now, there's a, there's a tricky one, isn't there? I didn't get the big amen in there, because that's like, hold on, can't fail. Oh, hold on, let me check my theology. I'm not sure on that, I can't fail. Can I, can I fail? God, God, hold on, let's think, with Bible, Bible knowledge, can we fail? Christians, we, oh gosh, sure, I've heard of Christians failing. Didn't David fail? Didn't Paul fail? Didn't Peter fail? These guys have failed, didn't he? Did they? You see, I wonder if we can live a Christian life where we never fail. In fact, I'm going to go out there and say, I, I believe that we can live a Christian life where we never, ever fail. In fact, I believe, and at the risk, I'm always concerned when you share personal testimony, the, the one thing you don't ever want to come across as is arrogance or anything like that, but I'm going to go out there and I'm going to say this, that I don't believe in all of my Christian life that I've ever failed. Now, that might sound bold. Am I saying that I've never made a mistake? Am I saying that I've never sinned? Am I saying that I've never got things wrong? Or No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that I've never failed. I've never failed. You see, as a Christian, I'm on about as a Christian. As a Christian, we cannot fail. In our Christian life, we cannot fail. We can mess up. We can sin. We can make mistakes. We can fear. We can doubt. We can do all of those things. But how can, if, you th- if you're saddening and I'm not sure I believe that, that's cool. I'm, I, I, I welcome the challenge because I challenge when I'm preparing a message and I'm thinking it through and I'm challenging it and I'm thinking and I'm praying about it. But let me ask you this, right? If, you're, if you think, well, I'm not sure I believe that, well, let me ask you this question. How can a Christian fail? Tell me how does a Christian fail? How does that happen? And you could think, you, I'm sure you can come up with examples and you can come up with famous Christians that have you know, fallen into moral sin and all of that kind of stuff. In one sense, I'm not really talking about that. And that might sound like a bit of a cop-out, but I'm genuinely not. I'm talking about the day-to-day Christian life. I'm on about living the Christian life, living our purpose, fulfilling and living out our purpose. How do we fail in that? How do we fail in that? How does that happen? How, what are the circumstances? What do we call failure? What does it look like? Is sin failure? Or if we're a Christian and we're living a redeemed life and we're staying with God and we're keeping short accounts with God and in Him, do we ever actually fail? Or is it a father-son relationship, father-daughter relationship where things go wrong but He's constantly got us and He's got His arm around us and He's keeping us and He's drawing us on and He's bringing us along? John 16, 33 in fact, before I mention that, actually, what about the problems that you're facing in life? You know, you constantly think when you're preparing a message and you're thinking, maybe there's someone in the room that doesn't have a problem in their life at the moment, right? So for that 
person, this, bit, this little tiny bit of the sermon might not be for you, right? But I would imagine for the rest of us, if we stopped and we thought for a moment, there's problems and issues that we're facing in our life. Anyone in, anyone in that situation? You don't have to tell me what they are, right? There's, there's things that we're not happy with in our life, things that we think aren't right in our life or in our world that we would, and, and I kind of hate that phrase a little bit, but it's become the phrase that people use in, in your world, even the advertisers use it and stuff like that. But you know what we mean by that in, 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 you know, in, in your area and the people you know, your friends, your family, your loved ones, your neighbours, your work colleagues, all of that kind of stuff. In your world, I'm sure there's areas that things aren't right and, and you want them to be different, but they're not. They're still as they are. You've got trouble you've got problems, you've got issues. I'm sure some of you are in a situation where you're perhaps even as far as petrified about the situation that you're in. You're actually living in fear of a situation or a problem or an issue. There's a real doubt and a, and a concern. Some of you may be just, there's just things that frustrate you, that you want change, you don't want them to be like that. Others, it might be that, you know, pretty much everything's okay, but there is that on the horizon that I'm not sure how I'm going to cope with or how I'm going to deal with. Listen to this, John 16, Jesus said this, I have said these things to you. Now, he was actually preaching a sermon at this point. I should have checked my notes. I'm pretty sure it was on the Mount of Olives at this point, actually. Yeah, it is. It is it's the Oliver Mount uh, sermon. But anyway, and he's preaching to the disciples and he's saying to them, I've said these things to you, but I think there's a wider aspect to this. He's really talking about everything he's said. I think we can take that as all the words that God's ever said to us. I don't think we'd be stretching it to say that. And he says, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. 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 You see, I think one aspect of, if the opposite of failure is success, Forgive the word, I'm sure there's a better word, but let's just go with that one for a moment. If the opposite of failure is success, peace is a part of success, is one of the fruits of success, is having peace in your life, being at peace. And surely the Christian should always be at peace. Yes, no, do we believe that? In Christ, yeah, there's, there's an answer, yeah, yeah, no, 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 shout out, there's no wrong answers, I like a bit of audience participation, I might not always agree with you, but hey, if you're bold enough, shout out, I'm cool with that. Peace, you see, surely success is peace, sure, I'm not saying that's the whole Gamut of gamut of of success, but it's a part of it, isn't it? It's a fruit of it. If you're at peace, then really you're not failing in life, are you? How can you be failing if you're at peace? Even if you've sinned, you can be at peace because you've repented before God. You've gone to him and you've been like, God, I have messed up. I've failed. I'm not worthy. All of that kind of stuff. It's not a bad thing to say those words. Jacob said those words to God himself. And God answered his prayer. But we can live a life where we never fail. Where we never fail. But he went on to say this. He said, in the world, you will have tribulation, trouble, problems. I mean, tribulations and level up from trouble, innit? Tribulation, you know, there's problems here, isn't there? 
It's like that, that comedian says, you're going out or you're going out, out. Yes, you've got like trouble and then you've got like tribulation. You know, like when someone says, how's life going? Oh, I've got a few troubles, you know, I've got a few problems. You think, oh, that's a shame. And then when they go, I've got tribulation, you're like, whoa, <laughs> come on, let's, get, let's, let's help this person. Tribulation, that's trouble. That's, that's trouble plus that is. But he says, but take heart. I mean, listen to these words. Oh my goodness, listen to these words, right? I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. He's overcome the world. Whatever tribulation, problem, trouble you could have, he has overcome it. He's defeated it. Death has no victory. He's even beat death. Everything. There's not a problem that you could face that Jesus hasn't already overcome. Already overcome. So how on earth do we fail? How can we fail? How can a Christian fail? I'm asking the question, how can you fail when Jesus has overcome every single victory? Sorry, every single enemy. He's won every victory. And if you say you're a Christian in this room today, right, then when, when will you start confessing that you can't fail, that you can only win, that you can only be victorious if you're a Christian? Seriously, when are you going to start speaking like that? When is that going to happen? Who is speaking like that? Who is speaking out that I'm, I'm just from victory to victory to victory? I don't care what comes my way. I cannot fail. I cannot fail. I don't care whether sickness comes my way. I don't care whether divorce comes my way. I don't care whether a, 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 a financial problem comes my way. I don't care whether the police come knocking on my door. I don't care what happens. I cannot fail. Because what is failure for the Christian? What is failure for the Christian? Who do we answer to? Yes, you can fail in the world's eyes, but you cannot fail in God's eyes. If you're a Christian and you remain true to him and you remain in relationship with him, you can never fail. You can never fail. You can never, ever fail because he's your father and he loves you. How can you fail someone who loves you? Someone who loves you. Who loves you more than his own son, than his own begotten son. That will give up and sacrifice his own son for you. How can you fail him when he loves you that much? How? And yes, you might say it's a paradox you can't fail. Well, yes, you can in one sense, but you can't in another sense. I don't care about that. I don't care about I don't care about all that stuff. I just believe in God. I just believe in him. He's my father. And I, and I take the attitude that, yes, I need to live a morally good life. And I need to get as much as I possibly can right. I need to do everything right. Where to get it wrong, I need to put it right. I need to fix it. But in God, how can I fail? I don't believe I can. And I'm not arrogantly saying, this, no, this is not a pastor's study going, I can't sin. I can't mess up. I'm never going to mess up. I'm never going to let you down. I'll let you all down daily. Right? Literally, I'll let every single one of you down daily. I'll mess up daily. 
But in God, I can't fail. I cannot, me, me and God, I cannot fail. I believe that and you should too. You should, not about me, about you. <laughs> Don't worry about me, I've got it. I've, God's got it, He's, we're, we're good. You know what I mean? Believe it about you, not me. I mean, you can if you want, you can, you know. Paul, Paul often said time and again, like be an inspiration. He said, you know, follow my example, follow my life. I want to tell you, right, in all the years, I cannot think, say it again, I cannot think, I, I racked my brains, I can think of areas where things have gone wrong and it's looked like it's all going to just fall apart, you name it, ruin, who knows what, and I, but I cannot think of a single situation in my Christian life where I have failed. I can't think of one. What, what I would class as failure before God I can't think of a single one. I'm not saying I've not sinned. Of course I've sinned. Of course I've messed up. Of course I've, I've, I've done loads and loads of things wrong. And if you're failing in life, if you're like, I'm failing, my life's one big failure, then I, I tell you this, right? There's, there's a fundamental problem. If you, are, if you say you're a Christian, there's a fundamental problem with your Christian life if your confession is that you're a failure. Your confession is, I'm a failure, I'm a Christian, I'm a failure, right? I can't, there's nothing. You, you know, when Jesus said you can do, how many things did he say we can do? So am I wrong here saying this? Am I on dodgy ground? Is this platform about to, you know, like fall apart and I'm going to get sucked into it or something? Am I on sand? Or am I on solid ground saying that as a Christian, in God, you cannot fail? You cannot fail. You cannot fail. And if you are, if your confession is that you are failing, then I would, I would put out there that there's potentially two areas where your life is wrong in Christ. One is in your belief and your understanding of, of who you are as a Christian, what it means to be a Christian. Deep, deep down, what it actually means to be a Christian. It means that you are adopted into the family of God that you are his, you're in his family. There used to be a program when I was a kid. Anyone remember Bread set in Liverpool? And, and I loved the kind of heart and the attitude of that. No matter what they did, no matter what they got wrong, they came around the table and it was like, we're family. That, that's the world out there, we're family in here. And that's the Christian life. That's not to say we can go and treat the world as we want. That's, if you think it's that, it's, you're misunderstanding me. Don't twist my words, right? Don't go and use them to go and do what you want. That's, I'm not saying that, okay? So you've not got an excuse to do that. Just put that out there. So it's either your belief and your understanding of what it means to be a Christian, the deep, deep meaning of being a Christian, or it's your obedience. You're disobedient. You're just disobedient. You just, you just won't do what you know you should do. You're just refusing. And that's causing the failure. It's not God. It's a disobedience. It's either the belief or the obedience. It's, it's one or the other. 
I'm sure someone could come up with a third, third example. I, I would put it down to them too, based on, on you know, a number of scriptures. I would say we could boil it down just to them too, nice and simple. It's either your belief and your understanding of who you are in God, or it is the way you're living your life and your obedience and your, or your disobedience. The decisions that you're making. The, the, the word decision, the Latin, it comes from the word to cut off. What it means, it literally means to cut off, to make a choice, to say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to cut all of that off. That's, that's all gone now and this is the choice that I'm making. This is the decision that I'm making. Let, let me read some verses to you. In fact, I'm in the wrong section on my Bible. Sorry, Matthew 7, easy to find. If we go to Matthew 7, I can't remember what verse. It's, uh, let's go from tree and its fruit. Started with this, if you notice. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you'll recognize them by their fruit. And what I'm about to say to you now is why I believe it's one of the most important, if not the most important sermon I'll ever preach. And the sad bit is that really what Jesus is saying is in this next bit is that not everyone's going to go to heaven. And not every, in inverted commas, Christian, and I use that term loosely, is going to go to heaven. Some people who are saying they're Christians are not going to go to heaven. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. He goes on to say, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do mighty works in your name? Really what Jesus is saying here is, if you're thinking, oh no, is that me? Oops, am I one of those ones that's not gonna go to heaven? And then you're thinking, yeah, but I've kind of, look at all the work that I've done and remember, remember that miracle and, I remember praying for that person and that happened and I remember this and I remember that and God's going, no, no, right, you, you're missing it. That's not the, the standard of whether you go to heaven or not, the miracles that you've done and all of that stuff, any works that you've done, that's not the standard. It's not that. It's, in fact, it's really, really simple. It's the ones who do the will of God. It's obedience it's obedience. And I would argue that obedience comes from trust. In large part, it comes from trust. Often, disobedience is down to trust, down to lack of faith, but it comes from trust. That they're leaving mighty works in your name, Lord. 
And then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. That is a frightening prospect, isn't it? That's a sobering thought. Not all of us in here, I'm going to hazard a guess, are going to go to heaven. The answer's simple. You see, your actions come from your beliefs. If your beliefs and your actions, and, and when I say actions, often it's you, you, what you're confessing, what you're saying. If the two are out of alignment, eventually one or, one or two things will happen. Your beliefs will align with your actions, or your actions will align with your beliefs. So there's two ways of doing it. You either change your actions, your, your, your speech and your language into a, a faith speech and a consistent faith speech and a trust and a believing, and, and then that will change. And the easiest way to do that is start speaking negatively. Like start speaking death over your life and oh, I'll never do this and I'll never do that and I always mess up and I always get it wrong. That's, that's a really, try it. No, don't try it, but you know, I don't mean that like rhetorically. Try it and you'll soon find that your beliefs will follow your actions and you'll start to believe that you always fail and you never get things right and you always mess up. But if you change your beliefs and you hold on to your beliefs, eventually your confession has to change to match that belief. How can you keep confessing something that you don't believe in your heart unless you're a liar? You can't lie to God, you can't fool him, and you can't lie to yourself either. You can lie to others. I've said this before, it's just couple of conversations I've had, right? You know, when you lie to someone else, can I let you into a secret, right? You're doing nothing clever. You've not invented something new. You know, when you tell a little white lie and you deceive someone else and you tell them something that's not true, yeah, right? You're not clever. You've not come up with, you're not like, oh, I've got one over on that person because we're all vulnerable to lies, aren't we? Any one of us can be lied to, right? And, and so we have to trust the other person and what they say. So that's, as, as a Christian, perhaps as much as anything, it's important to, to tell the truth. Make sure, one of the fundamental characteristics, attributes of God is he never, ever lies. He tells the truth. He always tells the truth. And so we need to align ourselves with that. Just, just if you did nothing else from today's sermon, I've just made that little tweak of, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop lying. I'm just going to stop lying. I'm just going to stop lying. You, you, you will change your life. You'll transform your life, honestly. Just that one little tweak will transform your life.
literally just turn it around, absolutely transform it. This is the truth. I love that pun there, Jeff. <laughs> oh, whew. Are we all right for a bit longer? Are we okay? If you want to be a Christian, right, you've got to live in victory. You, you want to be a Christian, right, you've got to live in victory. God ain't a failure, is he? Like, seriously, was, was Jesus a failure? Like, he came to earth, right, and did the most challenging. If you, if you could think of a mission, you're like, you know, you know you're, you're, you're the major of the British Army, and you think, right, I'm going to take my best lads, I'm going to send them on a mission. What's the most difficult mission I could possibly send them on? The hardest one, the toughest enemy, you name it. It was what Jesus did. Because his wasn't just about fighting and being all macho and giving it all that. His was about a mental battle as well, a spiritual battle, a soul battle. It was every single part, everything. It was all, every single bit of him was involved in that battle and in that fight. He couldn't just be strong in one area. Every single bit of him had to be strong, every part of him. And he didn't fail. He's not a failure. How can we be failures as Christians? Like, seriously, how can we do that? How can we keep confessing and saying we're a failure and saying, oh, I'm not sure if that's going to happen. I'm not sure if this is going to happen. And, oh, I don't know about that. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do that. Well, maybe it's not whether you can do it or not. Maybe if you're not sure, maybe it's like, well, I'm not sure if God wants me to do this. Maybe just tweak your language into the truth because if God wants you to do it, you can do it. If he wants you to do it, if he calls you to do it, you can do it. Because he ain't leading you on. He ain't leading you down the garden path. He ain't like messing around with your head and stuff like that. He's serious. He means what he says. You can trust him. You can act. In fact, trust him. (laughs) Trust him. Trust him. When he tells you to do something, right, try it out. Trust him. Do it. Step out in it and go, I've got this. Because God says I can do it. Boom, I'm doing it. That's it. This is happening. And when people tell you, you can, people will say, you're a fool. <laughs> They'll, they've been saying it to me for the last 20 odd years. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, you can't. No, you can't do that. No, you, no, no. Just, I mean, you don't have to act. Just go, walk off and carry on doing what you're doing. God said, you can do it. You cannot fail. Someone tell me, how can a Christian fail? We drop the ball. We have temptation. We have sickness. We have problems. We have tribulations. We have all of these things. You know, we sin. We mess up. But... They're not failure. They're not failure. Failure is believing you're a failure. Believing that you're victorious. Believing that you can't fail. Believing that you will overcome is success. Is this this making sense? Do you know what? I love... 
I, I know that he's a controversial figure in, in certainly recently, as times change, but I, I watched something many years ago about Churchill, and, and it, was, it was by his bodyguard, and it was all about his, his recollection of, of Churchill's life from his, you know, driving him around, and all the near misses with death that the man had. Like, it, it, the car would drive around the corner and, like, a bomb literally would drop there as he got around the corner. And the bodyguard would be saying to him, wow, sir, that was a close call. And do you know Churchill's response just was every single time, just over and over again, like, nah, we, we can't die because there's a mission that's got to be fulfilled. I, I don't know whether Churchill was a Christian or not, or not. I believe he had a faith. I believe, I'm sure he was, you know, and, but... That's not the point. The point is he believed in the mission that he had. He believed that the fight against evil, the powers of evil, probably the greatest battle apart from what Jesus did that there's ever been in the world, that he was called to that. That he was called to that. And his belief, and and so I, I just... from Before I heard this about Churchill, one of the first things as a Christian come from Tina and other Christians of old and hearing about Dennis, her husband, and different Christians and their testimony of what they'd done, of belief and faith, the likes of Smith Wigglesworth and Spurgeon and all of these great men of God, right, who, who just believed, who just believed. They just believed. They believed Jesus when he said, only believe. They just believed and they lived a life as if they believed because they just believed. They kept it simple and they just believed that no matter what problem came to them, that it would all be all right. And, and I've got, and it annoys those around you. you what you'll find is, right, when so, something happens and a problem happens and people around you will be like, they, they, and the thing they're helping you, they'll be like, oh yeah, you know, this is difficult, this is a problem, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, no, nah, it's all going to be fine. It, it'll, it will annoy people a little bit. You will wind a few people up by saying that. They'll think you're being arrogant. They'll think you're being irresponsible. They'll say you're irresponsible because you're not worrying like they are, because you're not anxious like they are, because you're not scared like they are. They'll say, you're, they'll say they will say we're irresponsible because we just take steps of faith and we just do it. We don't even think about the consequences we just blindly trust in God because he's proven himself trustworthy. He's shown himself. And God gave me some verses when I became a Christian. In fact, I named my son after them. Do you know the book I'm on about? It's chapter, <laughs> anyone who doesn't know my son, his name's Joshua, by the way. Um, chapter one, verse one. The, the name Joshua means the Lord is salvation. What a great meaning for the name. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, who was Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, Joshua already knew this. He knew this. But what God's telling Joshua is at this point, he's saying that chapter's gone now. The page has turned. The book of Deuteronomy is closed now, and it's the beginning of the book of Joshua. 
Now, I'm not Joshua. I've not done what Joshua's done, right? So I don't think I'm Joshua or anything like that. But I can certainly look to the principles that God's revealed to us through this book. And just the opening few verses are, are really powerful. My, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Some of you need to arise this morning. Some of you need to arise. You need to, to lift up your head, to arise, not just physically, but mentally, verbally. You need to arise, change the attitude. Go over this Jordan. That was a river that, that was significant because the land, the promised land, was on the other side of that river. You and all this people into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Then he says in verse 3, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. I said this before, I can imagine, right, if I was Joshua, yeah, I'd be thinking, okay, I'd look at it this way around, everywhere where my foot treads is mine, so I've got to step everywhere, I've got to like, you know what I mean, mine, 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 that step, mine, mine, that chair, boom, it's mine, I'm just kind of going around and, you know, giving it all that, like mine, 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 just going around, running around everywhere I possibly can, sticking my foot there, boom, mine, that's mine, Bring it on. Come on, let's do it. And he says, no man, verse 5, shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. I love that verse. Wow, that's a verse because I've had some enemies over the years. And every time I just go, nah, God promised me no man. Now, I just need to clarify this. This is important. That isn't a, a, a... like a, a thing to go out there and start attacking people because you'll always win. He's not about when they come and attack you or when they're taking your territory or, you know, that kind of thing, right? It's not like you're going to be heavyweight champion of the world, go and fight everyone you possibly can because you can't lose. He doesn't mean that, does he? Come on. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Do you hear that? How can you fail? Could Joshua fail? Did he sin? Yeah? Did he fail? But these next few verses are are important. Be strong and courageous. You've got to be strong and courageous. And if you're thinking, I don't feel very strong, I don't feel very courageous, that's why you're not strong and courageous. So start feeling strong and courageous. Start believing that you're strong and courageous. Start putting it out there, I am strong and courageous. Keep telling yourself you're strong and courageous. Keep telling yourself, probably better than that, keep telling you that God says you're strong and courageous. Be careful. That's why it's so important, this message this morning. Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left. 
that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Can you hear it? He's telling him to, to embed it within him. Make it your belief. Make it your belief. Believe it. Learn it. Understand it. Get to know me and my ways. For then, for then you will make your way, listen to that, for then you will make your way prosperous. You know, we talk all the time about God does it, God does it, God does it, God does it. I'm not keen on just saying that all the time because we have a part in it. And it, some of times that's like, oh, we'll just pass the book, it's all God in it, it's all God. What a load of, Wow. Seriously, what a cop-out. Let me put it that way. What a cop-out. Oh, yeah, it's God. It's, it's all him. It's all him. No, it's not. It's you. It's you. You're a part of it. God's the lead. He's the head. He's the director. But it's you. You've got a part to play. Otherwise, we can just blame God when it all goes wrong. And yeah, well, it was God, wasn't it? Because, you know, he's the... No, it's not. It's you. Take responsibility. Have I not commanded you, verse 9, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He is with you wherever you go. You cannot fail. You cannot fail. Deuteronomy, a little bit earlier, verse 4 in chapter 20, said, For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies, to give you the victory. Psalm 23, verse 3, he says, He restores my soul. You know, we all know Psalm 23, don't we? What a powerful, powerful psalm. But why? Why does all that victory come in Psalm 23? Why does God do all that stuff in Psalm 23? Anyone know? For his name's sake. Not for me. Not for you. And, and those out there, they'll say, oh, God's a megalomaniac and he's this and he's that and he's the other and he's all self-obsessed. Well, I'm sure he's, I don't know, self-obsessed. But hey, listen, if God wants it all for his glory, I'm cool with that. He created it. It's his world, isn't it? He can have it all. It's his. Like, why would I want to take it? Do you never look at it like, oh, hold on, God made it, so I'm taking it off him. They always look at it the other way around, don't they, when they want to criticize God? He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. For his name's sake. There's faith and there's trust in that, guys. You, you can take refuge in that, knowing that it's not for you, it's for him. So he's bound to succeed. He's bound to lead you in the right path because it's for his own name's sake. So why would he allow you to fail? Why would he let you down? Why would he not be there for you? Who can stop him? Who can come against him? Who can thwart the plans of God? No one. 
No one, no virus, no coronavirus, nothing. Do you know what? I, I, I care about all your health, but I tell you what, I don't care about your health anywhere near as much as I care about your eternity. Anywhere near as much as I care about your eternity. Eternity, your eternity. Not everyone in this room is guaranteed to go to heaven. Some of us, he may be saying, Depart from me, for I never knew you. He could be saying that to me. I could be going, look at that great sermon I preached on. What date is it today? On the whatever date it is. Lord, did you hear it? How, did, you know, did you hear what I said and how powerful that was? He's like, uh, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? We're not meant to live forever in this world. We're not meant to live forever but we're meant to have faith in God and to trust him that we can never, ever fail. No matter what, he is with you. He is there with you through everything. God bless.